This is the Daily Texan Newscast. I'm Lillian Michel. And I'm Kelly Smith. If you missed Jill Stein on Monday, we'll have a recap of the Green Party candidates' visit to Houston Tillotson University later in the newscast. And a new study by a UD professor says that harnessing the power of social media seems to be a more effective way of mobilizing voters than traditional on-the-ground methods. But first, these headlines. It's Friday, October 21st, 2016. From the Daily Texan Newsroom, here's what you might have missed. Austin was given the highest rating in Texas for its support of the LGBT community by the Human Rights Campaign, which rates cities in America by how well they score in non-discriminatory workplace environments, civic inclusion, and law enforcement relations. The Municipal Equality Index is broken down into five categories, non-discrimination laws, offering protections to LGBT employees, inclusion in municipal programs, responsible engagement with the LGBT community by law enforcement, and a city's public policy standpoint on LGBT issues. The city of Austin improved from previous years by scoring a full 100% of the basic points possible and earning an extra 12 points for providing services to LGBT elderly and living people with HIV and AIDS, as well as providing support for transgender people. Last week, the Austin City Council passed a resolution publicly condemning hate speech and violence towards Muslims, immigrants, and people of color. Councilmember Gregorio Casar drafted the document as part of a commitment to protecting, quote, people's inalienable right to feel safe. More than 500 elected officials signed an open letter earlier this year created by the Municipal Policy Advisory Board Local Progress, voicing outrage for prejudiced rhetoric against Muslims, especially by political figures. Speaking at the Student Government General Assembly meeting Tuesday, Mayor Steve Adler said the UT student body can swing the vote in favor of the Smart Corridor Plan. The plan, a $720 million bond to improve mobility in Austin, will be voted on in November. Adler attended the SG Assembly, hoping to gather student support for the plan. Adler told the Assembly that traffic is an issue Austin has chosen not to fix as a city, but one that has to be addressed for the city to remain lively. After Adler spoke, a resolution in support of the bond was introduced to the Assembly for its first reading. Assembly members will vote on whether to support the November Mobility Bond at their meeting next Tuesday. UT professors and students have begun working on an open database that tracks Republican legislators who support the GOP presidential candidate Donald Trump. The database looks at politicians around the country and gives extensive details on each official. Associate government professor Bethany Albertson began collecting the data last Friday after seeing how unclear some GOP legislators appeared to be on their stance regarding Trump. The goal is to have all U.S. Congress people included in the data. Albertson solicited the help of UT students and others around the country through Twitter. The database is largely crowdsourced, so a wide range of citizens can fill in information on their local congressman, Albertson said. The spreadsheet can be found on Albertson's Twitter at AlbertsonB2. Now that ACL is over and thousands of festival goers have marched out of Zilker Park, the Austin Parks and Recreation Department is moving in to revive the park's grassy fields. Revitalizing the grass at Zilker after ACL is a multi-week project, according to Kelly Craighead, an agronomist who manages the maintenance of city lands for Austin Parks and Recreation. Parks and Rec workers go over the lawns with an aerator, a machine that loosens compacted soil, and feed the grass fertilizer and water until it returns to its lush green state. C3 Presents, the company that organizes ACL, steps in to pay for the damage caused during severe cases, like the especially rainy and muddy festival back in 2009. In the future, Craighead said the Parks and Recreation Department plans to implement more long-term prevention measures to help keep damage to the park to a minimum. But in the long run, Craighead said Zilker can sustain ACL indefinitely. (laughs) 
three weeks away from the presidential election, it seems certain that either Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump will be the next leader of the United States. Jules Stein, the Green Party presidential nominee, is currently polling at 3% nationwide according to a Bloomberg poll and at 1% in Texas according to a poll by the University of Houston. And yet, when she spoke at Houston Tillotson University in East Austin on Monday, the school's King Seabrook Chapel was packed with people proclaiming their intention to vote their conscience rather than for what they called the lesser of two evils. The event was hosted by a number of organisations, primarily the Travis County Green Party, UT Students for Stein and the Houston Tillotson chapter of Pi Gamma Mu. Jose Camacho, president of Students for Stein, explained how they became involved. We work with the local Travis County Green uh, Party and uh, I've gone to, or we've gone to some of their meetings and uh, they just pitched the idea that she's coming to Austin. It would be really awesome if they could have students, like a student-oriented event. Many students and young people did turn out to the event, but so did quite a few older people, such as Anne Hanley, a University of Texas alumna. She spoke about her reasons for supporting Stein over the other candidates. I really like her message. Um, she's the only candidate that has... Uh, that will even speak about climate change, which I think is the most important issue facing the world right now. But I also uh, believe she represents a lot of um, individuals that don't have a voice, people that are um, impoverished, immigrants, people of color, uh, women. Uh, I just think she's more representative of America in general um, and, and not the 1% to 2% that control the country right now. These same kind of sentiments were echoed by others at the event. Sydney White, a business management junior with a minor in pre-law at Houston Tillotson, also appreciated the Green candidate's willingness to tackle issues outside the scope of those being discussed in the mainstream debates. Everybody is wants to be blinded by different things that are going on in society and not the real issue of what could possibly happen to our earth and to our pop to our species at the end of the day and everyone's mostly just thinking about money and at the end of the, the money will still be here and our we won't. So yeah, I really like that Joe just just really is standing for the people and she's talking about things that we need. Camacho expressed his frustration with the system that effectively blocks third parties from the debate stage. To participate in the debates, a candidate must be polling at at least 15% in five national public polls, according to the Commission on Presidential Debates. If we can get third parties on the debate stage, um, I think there would be that would be the catalyst. That would that would absolutely bring in the numbers because um, this arbitrary 15% is used as a, a cycle of, oh, you're not at 15% yet, you can't get on the debate stage, why aren't you at 15%? Because no one heard of you. How comes no one heard of you? You're not at 15%. A fair number of people seem to be voting as much against the mainstream candidates as for Stein. One attendee, Kara Kane, summed up the general sentiment. I'm super concerned about a Trump presidency because he's a misogynist, but I'm also concerned about a Clinton presidency because she's a warmonger. So it sucks. Both ways suck. Unfortunately for those who feel this way, the general impression given at the event was not that Jill Stein believes she is going to win this year. The message overall was not to aim for a miracle win. Rather, it was to build the movement, to get the 5% of votes they need in order to remain on the ballot, and to wait. Camacho spoke on this aim. The important thing is to build a movement. Movements are, are the basis of all change in uh, society. You know, you have the civil rights movement, you have women's suffrage, you have other movements, um, and they are the true um, um, pusher for uh, societal change. For The Daily Texan, I'm Katie Doherty.
was hard to miss the tables set up by groups around campus that have been registering students to vote. After Tuesday's registration deadline passed, the focus now turns from registering students to encouraging them to turn out. But while many eager students are prepared to tell passersby on the sidewalk to come and vote, a more effective strategy may lie online. A new study titled Social Pressure on Social Media, Using Facebook Status Updates to Increase Voter Turnout by Katherine Hanschen, a visiting scholar at the Moody College of Communication, posits that even more than standing on the sidewalk, having an effective online strategy can convince friends and students to get out and vote. In the study, Hanschen found that posting Facebook status updates that focused on either the pride that comes with voting or a focus on shaming friends that didn't vote were substantially more effective than more traditional get-out-the-vote strategies. The Facebook updates saw an increase in turnout of anywhere from 15 to 24 percent, while canvassing, going door-to-door or tabling, and direct mailers only brought an effect of 3 to 8 percent. These revelations carry the most significance to the UT organizations tasked with encouraging students to vote, like Hook the Vote or UT Votes, and following their record numbers of registered students. The pressure on actually getting those students to the polls is greater than ever. Cassie Barquilio, a political communications PhD candidate and UT Votes advisor, explained that UT Votes on Facebook was trying to show the personal side of voter registration posting pictures of UT students getting registered, and hoping that those students would then share the post and encourage their friends. One of the things that we've tried to do with our social media is um, show students registering to vote. So we do think that if, um, you know, you see a picture of your friend holding up a sign that says they were the 100th person registered to vote that day, um, and then they tag themselves in it, I think that that will be effective for us. However, Barquilio said that social media wasn't actually a large part of their campaign to get people registered, and that their focus remained on the physical locations across campus. Most of our effort was in that in-person activity. Um, most of our time was put into that because we spent lots, of, lots and lots of hours tabling. Students have their own views on effective strategies. Business freshman Tara Mehta said that she personally wouldn't be persuaded by a Facebook post. She just liked the convenience that UT Votes offered. The only reason I registered because it was convenient and like right there, the Facebook post wouldn't have really like made me go. With Election Day just a few weeks away and early voting starting on Monday, the question of how to best encourage young people, traditionally the least likely demographic to vote in elections, to go to the ballot box is on the minds of many across campus. As Hanshin previously told the Daily Texan, turnout is so important because of the impact that students can have on the election. If every student that was eligible voted, students could assure that their elected officials accurately represent their needs and interests. That impact is not lost on voting organizations on campus. So in the lead up to Election Day, in between all of the memes and shared posts from your relatives, your Facebook feed may also include reminders to get out on November 8th and have your voices heard. For the Daily Texan Newscast, I'm JT Lindsay. And that about does it for this week's edition of the Daily Texan Newscast. In the meantime, there's always more news at DailyTexanOnline.com. You can also follow the Daily Texan on Twitter, at The Daily Texan, and this and our other podcasts, at Texan Podcast. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just search for The Daily Texan Newscast. We will see you next week, everybody. Bye, guys. This podcast was produced by The Daily Texan and hosted by Lillian Michelle and Kelly Smith. Our reporters were Katie Doherty and J.T. Lindsay. The music was by Jazar. 
Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode, and you can always find more news at dailytexanonline.com.